ask you to turn there, Hebrews chapter 2. Here's a great uh, book of the Bible where God teaches the Jews some things that, hey, Jesus Christ is the Savior, that He is after the, uh, He is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, that it's just, just as, a, as the Jews would, would uh, offer their, their goats and their bulls and their rams, that Jesus Christ came once to be offered, and it was far better than all of that. It was the only one that we needed. That the Jews had a sacrifice for a time as a picture of what would come. And then Jesus came. Praise God for it. Hebrews chapter 2 here, explaining some things about Christ. In, uh, in verse 5 through 8, he's talking about how he didn't give uh, the, the world to the angels. He gave it to mankind. He gave the earth to man, to, to the earth to be subject underneath of man. He gave it to Adam, who uh, it even says, he says, one says, verse 6, but one in a certain place testifies, saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of thy hands. He's reminding us that, hey, God gave man a special job and a special place. That He didn't give this world to angels. He gave it to mankind. And He said, I made man a little lower than the angels. We understand that. We're, we're, uh, we're not as powerful as angels are. We'll never, we'll never line up comparison like that. But God has a special place in His heart for mankind, not for angels. It's a different thing. Angels do not have the ability to have salvation like we do, the Bible teaches. Mankind is special to God. And look at verse 9 here. He says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. You know what that means? That means God became man. That means God became flesh. Human flesh, like us, like you and me, except without sin. Look, it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, just like man was, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That was his whole purpose. That's why Jesus was incarnate. That's why God became flesh. That's the whole purpose for Bethlehem. That's the whole purpose for uh, why we celebrate Christmas. Amen? That Jesus would become man so that he could go to Calvary and die for me. To die for you. That's the whole purpose there. He keeps going here, verse 10. For it became Him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. We talked about that this morning, didn't we? God, Lord Jesus Christ, the, sec- the second member of the Trinity, the God-man, the Son of God, was the active member during creation. He's the one that spoke the worlds into existence. And it says here in verse 10 that for whom are all things and by whom are all things. Continues, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. That boggles my mind. I know I've said that a lot today, but I just consider who I am as man and as flesh and what God did for me. Did you catch what that verse said there at the end of verse 10? It says captain. That by, by, by saying captain, it is saying that he is the author 
or He is the originator of our salvation. And look, continue here, it says, to make, to make the captain of their salvation, what? Perfect. He came and became the perfect Savior when He came. Now you say, well, Jesus was already perfect. Yeah, He was. He was without sin. But He became the perfect Savior when He came. When He became flesh. That's what the Bible's saying here. Perfect through suffering. See, my Jesus isn't just a, 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 some genie over in China that we pray to. My, G, my Jesus isn't some Santa Claus. My Jesus was a man, is a man, is God. He, was, he lived here. He died here. He rose again here. And he, he, as I said this morning, rubbed shoulders with other Jews and they had no idea who they were talking to because he humbled himself like a servant. He took His Shekinah glory, His his majesty where He shines bright as the sun, and He set it aside for a time so that He could be a servant. Born in a carpenter's house. He worked. Much of the world has these pictures of Jesus, this this feminine man with long hair, and, and it looked like you could break Him in half. That was not Christ. He knew how to work. He grew up in a carpenter's home. A man that took the cross. You understand that when the the Romans knew how to make people suffer. They knew that and they knew it well. If you have any idea of what a cat of nine tails is, understand the, the bone and the rock and the glass that was embedded in strips of leather that they beat him with. And it would literally stick into the flesh and that Roman soldier would put his foot on the thigh of the man and rip it back out. It was gruesome. It was awful. The the, the, uh, history teaches us that oftentimes men would die during the scourging process. A little weak man wouldn't have made it through that. My Jesus was a man. He was the God man. Not only that, when he didn't have much skin left on his back, They took an old, splintery, rugged cross and dropped it right on him and said, carry it. While he's losing all that blood, drug it through the streets of Jerusalem. They got, uh, of course, uh, they they summoned one to help him carry it after a while, his body growing so weak through all that. They take him up to Golgotha, the place of the skull. If you've never seen it, literally God formed the rocks. the, The rocks on the side look like a skull. It's right next to that, that garden where he was buried. And they laid, they laid that cross on the ground and they laid him there and they nailed it to, to the cross. We're talking about not this teeny little nail, not this little tiny staple, but we're talking about a big massive nail that they drove right through him and pierced him. And can you imagine when they rose that cross up and they dropped it in that hole? I can, it makes me shrill, shrill a little bit. The pain that he went through. That, that splintery cross rubbing on that open wound on his back. You ever had a, a, a wound that stings so much that, that you can't even touch it? And now think about his whole entire backside. And he did that. God did that for me. Then he was on that cross... And the way the cross worked, the way he was hanging like this, he couldn't breathe that way. And he'd literally have to pick himself up, push down with his feet so he could get a breath of air. 
And while, while, while he was doing that, those nails are just ripping through his flesh that he was pushing against. This is no, this is no game. This is not something that we, that we just flippantly go by. This is what God went through for me. Amen. The Romans were the masters at this, and he chose that time specifically for that purpose so that he could take a death that I couldn't. That's right. Not only that, but it was mentioned already tonight that God the Father turned His back on Him because the weight of the sin of the world was placed on Him. You know you've had guilt in your life and guilt over sin and, and, and a disgustingness over when you realize who you are and needing to repent of sin. Now, consider that all the people that have ever lived in this world, the weight of all of that on you. To die for that. Not just a physical death, but a spiritual death. When He descended into the lower parts of the earth, the Bible says in Ephesians, He became perfect through that suffering. He became the perfect Savior because He lived and He was tempted just like I am, yet without sin. He knows my body. He knows my mind. He knows my thoughts. Because He was a man too. And yet He did it without sin. Look, the Scripture keeps going. For both He that sanctifies, verse 11, and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause He is not ashamed to call them brethren. Saying, I will declare Thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto Thee. And again, I will put my trust in Him. And again, behold, I... the I am the children which God hath given me. He's quoting Old Testament Scripture here. He's quoting out of Psalm 22 and again out of Isaiah 8. Continues in verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. That's talking about us. We're flesh and blood. Right? That's us. Look what the Scripture says. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also Himself... Likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Consider that for a moment. The devil had the power of death. He wants to destroy a life that God made for a purpose. Adam and Eve were made for a purpose. And the devil came in and destroyed their life. He brought death upon them by deceiving them and having them eat of the fruit. The Bible says that God said that the day that you eat thereof, ye shall die. Now, they didn't die physically that day, but they died spiritually. And now, no longer would God come down and walk in the garden with them. Now, they had to offer a sacrifice on an altar and atone for their sins, looking forward to what Christ would do. Immediately, Genesis 3.15, he read earlier, where God had a plan and he said, now you have to do that picture of what is to come later. Offer that sacrifice. And that's how they could speak to God. That's how they could come before God. But no longer would it be the same. It wasn't walking hand in hand in the garden anymore. The, the Holy Spirit of God would come and go as he, as he, was, uh, as he pleased. It was different now. Ver, uh, the, the devil had power over death. Consider when Jesus Christ died on the cross. For, about, for, that, for those three days, the devil thought that he'd gotten somewhere. Death had reigned. 
Wow, the devil, he, may, he, he uh, calls the Jews and, and the Romans to make this happen, right? Well, really, God let it happen, amen? God surrendered himself and allowed it to happen. But, but the forces of darkness thought they got somewhere until that Sunday morning. The grave was empty, man. That's why, that's why 1 Corinthians says, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Amen? Because what God did was he took that power of death and just stripped it away from Satan and said, you've lost. You've lost. What Brother Williams was preaching earlier. Hey, you don't have power over death anymore. Look, it continues here, verse 15. And deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Before Jesus Christ died on the cross, even those in righteousness, even those that had faith, had to go to a place called uh, Abraham's bosom, a place called paradise, where they waited for Jesus Christ to die on, the, die on the cross. They needed Jesus Christ in the future, just like we need Jesus Christ and what He's done in the past. It was a different time, and they waited for that. They waited for that delivery. Verse 16, For verily He took not on Him the nature of angels, but He took on Him the seed of Abraham. The whole purpose for the Jewish race was to bring the Savior. Verse 17, Wherefore, in all things it behoved Him to be made like unto His brethren, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Reconciliation, right? Bringing man back to God. That was the purpose of it all. For in that he himself self hath suffered being tempted. Lest you think God didn't have a hard time with this thing. He was tempted. Alright? Matthew says that when uh, he was in the wilderness uh, fasting, uh, speaking with the Father, the devil came along and tried to tempt him. Tried to tempt him in his physical body. Tried to tempt him with power and with might. And Jesus already, was in, already owned everything. But the devil was trying Tempting him like just like he would tempt us. He is able to succor them that are tempted. That word succor means to run up at a cry for help. In other words, Jesus is our help. Amen. When we're tempted of the devil, when we're beaten up and, and uh, it seems like we're, we're just... The devil keeps putting things in our mind and things in our heart that, that we ought not to be a part of and we're tempted and we're tempted and we're tempted... The Bible says Jesus is there to give us a way of escape. He's there to give us a way of escape if we would just ask. Why is He the perfect Savior? Why is He the captain of our salvation? Because He was made flesh. And He understands. Not only did He create us, but He understands even what we're tempted with. He understands even how mankind suffers. And He understands death. He became... The substitutionary sacrifice that I needed to have eternal life. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Horton to come and his wife and sing for us tonight. And then we'll conclude with an invitation and go right into the Lord's table tonight. Here's a great song that I've asked them to sing called He's My Savior. It's not He's the Savior. It's not He's a Savior, but He's my Savior. He was the captain of my salvation that was made perfect in his sufferings.
Would you, would you sing, please? says in 1 Corinthians 11 where we began tonight teaching us about the Lord's table here. It says here in verse number 26, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily 
shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. It's time now for us to talk with the Lord. Let a man examine himself. Lord, am I worthy to come to your table tonight? Lord, you know my heart. You know what's in it. You know if I have unconfessed sin between me and you, Lord. Help me to come right to the table tonight. He said, let a man examine himself. Obviously, including all people. It's not just men, but women as well. Everybody, mankind here. What he's teaching here. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. This is a serious thing. It's not a joke. The Lord's table is a serious thing. He says, I want you to do this. It's a command of the Lord to come to His table and partake in the elements. But He said, make sure that your heart is prepared and ready to do so. Don't do it flippantly. Don't do it half-heartedly. Be right with God and come partake of His table together. This is an act of praise tonight. We say, thank you, Lord. It's an act of obedience tonight when we say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. It's the ordinance you laid for the church. He's told us to do it. But it's also a time that says, Lord, let me put everything else aside and make sure I'm right with you. Make sure I'm the man that I'm supposed to be before you. Amen? Let's not do it wrongly tonight. Let's do it right. Let's have a heart that yearns after God and says, Lord, let me be right with you tonight. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Father God, would you help us with this thought tonight? Lord, as we come to your table tonight, we give you thanks and praise, Holy Spirit and Lord Jesus, for all that you have done to bring us to this point tonight. Lord, we've enjoyed the music together. We've enjoyed the the Scripture, the preaching time. We've enjoyed all aspects of it, Lord. You're bringing us all to this concluding part here, Lord, where we come to say thank You. We come to partake in the table tonight to say, yes, Lord, I'll be obedient in this and remember Your sacrifice. Lord, it's a time to wake up, to have some personal revival and say, Let me remember what Christ has done. Let me remember what I'm supposed to be because He's done that. Help us now tonight, Lord, to examine ourselves. Bless this invitation time in Jesus' name. Amen. I I ask you, please, would you stand?